You're listening to the Quince podcast. The second wave of COVID-19 cases in India has brought back fears of a pause in economic recovery with Dalal Street taking a hit as investor sentiment dipped. On 12th April, Sensex lost over 4400 points from a record high of 52516 on 16 February. Nifty on the other hand fell below the 14600 mark against a record high of 15431. Investors are spooked over the fact that the states impacted by the second wave contribute significantly to India's GDP. Maharashtra, the worst hit state, contributes 13.7%, Karnataka 8%, Gujarat 7.8%, Rajasthan 4.9%, Madhya Pradesh 4.2%, and Punjab at 2.7%. What is more worrisome is that it just took 47 days for India to cross the 1 lakh daily COVID-19 cases mark, compared to the first wave that took us 102 days to reach the peak. The Indian market has been witnessing strong bouts of volatility since the beginning of March when the cases started spiking again. So, should the retail investor be worried about the money they have parked with rising cases or is this just another opportunity to buy low and sell high? To break down what these rising COVID cases mean for the retail investor, for today's episode I sat down with Neeraj Shah, the markets editor for Bloomberg Quint, to discuss where the markets stand at the moment and the way forward. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Emmat. So, first, thank you so much for making time for, uh, for us today, sir. And uh, my first question is that for somebody who has been analyzing and reporting on Indian stock markets from the health world this year. I wanted to know first where the Indian markets stand at the moment compared to other markets. Uh, the markets did get a boost from what was hailed as a really good budget and was almost being as an unheard of budget. Uh, but given the uncertain times that we're in right now, where would you rate the markets to be? Um, okay, firstly, thanks for having me here. Uh, and uh, you. you... <laughs> Well, you have to agree that the budget was actually a bit of a landmark budget, mm-hmm. and other things remaining constant. Uh, maybe the markets would have been a, in a much better shape than where they are right now. Though you also have to agree that post the slight uptick that we've seen yesterday, mm-hmm. we're still not in uh, despair. Despair territory. We probably bought off about eight odd percent from the highs. Mm-hmm. which is fine now if you compare it to the us where vaccinations are really ripping through the roof where the economy is uh, going gangbusters uh, yes uh, india shouldn't be at all time high levels as where maybe the us should be But remember we are also an economy which has done whatever it has done without any major stimulus save for the pli schemes and some of the others that have been announced yeah. so we probably at fair value if you will uh, okay. maybe a bit of a corrective move could come in or should come in if the cases go up because mm-hmm. people and investors in particular will be a bit wary of putting in large blocks of money yeah. when uh, cases seem to be rising um, but i don't think that's the real trouble really i don't think covid-19 cases rising is the real trouble for equities at large okay now speaking of covid-19 as well like the next thing i want to talk about was the crash on monday 
So Sensex lost over 4,400 points from a record high at 52,516 on 16 February. And the Nifty also took a plunge uh, below 14,600. With this sudden spike of cases that we are witnessing right now, like, should individual investors be worried uh, because this is where their money also lies and that's a big risk for them? Or is it too prudent to read too much into uh, these crashes right now? So, um, you know, the funny thing is most people that I would speak to would say that you should discount uh, a few months out, right? So if you think back to March 2020, mm-hmm. on the day when the max when the lockdown was announced, was you know, around that time is when we hit the bottom for the markets and then the market started rising. Uh, so should we be unduly worried about these rising cases as a tactical trader? Sure, you should be worried. So if you have leverage, yes, you could be worried currently because if the cases spiral, and I presume we are still to see the impact on the numbers of um, cum as well as the election rallies. And if all of those numbers rise, could they worry the markets and investors? Sure, they could. Monday was a classic example of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything else really changed. The global markets are also placid. But Indian markets corrected, presumably because of the high numbers and the fears of a lockdown. Now, if multiple states lock down activity for a period of two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, mm-hmm. and we don't have a hang, handle on the vaccination, yeah. then it's a worry, for sure. And okay. for tactical traders, yes, we could correct. But if you're a long-term investor, maybe you should welcome that correction because, frankly, Indian, I mean, these markets need a bit of a correction for some value to emerge. And uh, maybe this is the reason why uh, some long-term investors will get better prices to invest into. Okay. But for short-term investors, this is uh, could be a worry, if I'm reading it. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, you are reading it right. I mean, you, there is a case for being a bit cautious because mm-hmm. the markets could go either direction from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And therefore... You might well think that the markets are going to go down, but there might be a flash up move the way it happened today, right? One and a half percent. I don't know for holiday, one and a half percent uptake. So that could well happen. And there is a very large case for the markets to correct a bit if indeed multiple states, as I said, go for a lockdown. But uh, Mm. uh, let's see, Maharashtra's announcement might come in uh, maybe Wednesday evening uh, if more mills and some channels are to be believed. So Mm. uh, yeah, uh, it it is a worry for the near term trader, yes. Yeah. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is the Indian rupee as well, which is now trading at a eight-month low, uh, plunging below 75 against the US dollar for the first time in the past eight months. What kind of bearing and repercussions would this have on stock markets as such? Yeah, you, you would want to believe that uh, the markets would think that the fall in the rupee is a reflection of what's happening uh, on, on the on, on the part of the foreign institutional investors and not just in the equities, but also in the bond markets. Remember, uh, until last week or the week before last, FIs mm-hmm. were heavily buying into the debt markets. With a, I mean, there's an impending event of the inclusion in the MSCI, right? So that will actually be a great thing for the Indian, uh, Indian bond markets. But I think uh, FIs have been net sellers uh, in the last uh, maybe few days. And uh, Monday was a reflection of that, right? You saw a large mm-hmm. plunge on Monday, yeah. both in the equity markets and then the currency, which kind of slipped to almost 75. So mm-hmm. I think until, I would I would think it might be naive really for somebody who tracks equities uh, to comment on what the currency will do in the very short term. Yeah. But I would presume that uh, a lot of this is uh, linked or joined at the hip to what's happening in the fears around COVID and the vaccination. If, mm-hmm. if, if indeed the vaccination things go okay and the confidence of the 
foreign investor comes back or for both the debt and the equity markets, then you might well see some of these corrective moves on the currency uh, start to reverse a little bit. Okay. So what we have, what I have seen so far uh, is that whenever the markets lose, the gold, gold, gold prices go up. So is gold or uh, silver good investment to have right now? Right now? Uh, now, that's a tough one for, for me to answer, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, I would presume from whatever little I learned, so I'll, I'll essentially quote people. This is not a personal opinion that I have, but, you know, the Indian housewife is the best barometer of what to do with gold, right? All yeah. these years. Uh, I, I, love, I love the perspective at the moment in my life. But it's, <laughs> it's yeah, so, I mean, no, I mean, a lot of my personal wealth is uh, because of the gold, uh, and silver that was given to me on all the Diwalis and the New Year's and birthdays, really. But yeah, on a serious note, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it could do well, precious metals. They're a good hedge. And if you believe, uh, as everybody is saying, that inflation on its way up around the world, not just in India, then you might believe that uh, gold prices are headed up. Well, uh, to an extent, because of higher acceptance and the fears around inflation, you're seeing what's happened to some of the cryptos. Uh, no reason why gold may not, uh, but mm. uh, the jury is out there really. A lot of people also believe that some of the money that could have gone into gold is going into some of these cryptos as well. So frankly, the jury is out. Mm. I would presume that uh, gold should or would see some buying, silver would see some buying. A lot of reports from global banks, Dance Bank, Saxo, etc. are all talking about why gold should be bought into lock, stock, barrel currently. Mm. So they believe certainly that gold should be bought into this is international gold, but I'm presuming the same holds true for India. So, so the question is, what is the correct investment strategy in such uncertain times? What are the investor favorites at the moment? What is the correct investment strategy? Every, I think the only investment strategy is buy low and sell high. Okay. Right? Every, everything else is noise. Um, so, uh, but within that, I mean, it's easier said than done, right? Yeah. And at 14,500, there are very few opportunities that you have to buy low. Yeah. And now, um, if you, Himat, uh, if you analyze or if you even mm-hmm. partially look at any conversation, mm-hmm. whether on Bloomberg Quint or for that matter, anywhere else, I'm not telling you to only look at Bloomberg Quint conversations, mm-hmm. or almost every conversation, every expert would tell that uh, this is a great time to get into domestic cyclicals. Yeah. Um, domestic cyclicals, I mean, all of those cyclical sectors that derive their business out of the Indian economy mm. selling to the indian economy and not exporting right mm. so everybody is saying that go into domestic cyclicals for two reasons one that if the economic growth were to pick up then these businesses would do well but two the other very important reason is that there is valuation comfort here a lot of these domestic cyclical sectors are not trading at the valuations at which the export oriented companies are trading mm. at so for example tcs infosys etc are trading at um, valuations that are the highest that they have traded at but the banks which are which form a part of the domestic cyclical space uh, are about 10 12 15 20 percent cheaper depending on which bank you choose in certain cases psu banks have lost almost 50 percent from the recent highs so banks are cheap so there is perceived value here in the domestic cyclicals and which is why you see a lot of people saying that get into those sectors some of those not all mm-hmm because the downsides would be protected. And as the Indian economy rebounds, which we all hope it would, and in all probability it should, given the impetus around manufacturing, you'd probably see some of these come back. The other bit is, by the way, is manufacturing, right? With so much of impetus given to manufacturing, uh, there could well be a lot of 
high quality manufacturing companies which could start do, which could do well over a period of two years and the advantage again out here is that you are buying low and you're selling high if you sell of course but you're essentially buying low you're not buying very expensive names currently and that's probably not bad advice okay so um just uh, just an add-on out here but if you will yeah, sure. um it, this doesn't mean though in my personal opinion that some of the global cyclicals are bad investments uh, uh frankly uh, a lot of people who track who have looked at indian it for example over many years mm-hmm. uh, come out and say we did a webinar on saturday of our bloomberg Mint subscribers with with a firm called white oak which manages about three billion dollars and the two people who track uh, information technology very closely made a presentation which almost made a very compelling case for being invested in it for the next 10 years wow now depends on the kind of investor you mm-hmm. are yeah i mean they, they, their call is that we're probably looking at double digit growth yeah. uh, for at least the next decade for indian it mm-hmm. and these companies margins are high free cash flow is high they pay out a lot of dividends etc mm-hmm. so therefore they make a there's a and corporate governance is very strong so there is a compelling case for some of the global cyclicals or global exporters also to be bought and kept in your portfolio but largely the call should be that if you don't track the markets on a day-to-day basis and you're not an expert on valuations yeah. then try and buy low and sell high yeah i was watching your interview with uh, uh Temur Bey from dbs as well and he mentioned uh the growth of tesla over the past 10 years and how it has jumped up so uh, yeah, I was just like perplexed on that as well. Uh, just watching that. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla perplexes everybody. Even so, you are not alone. I'm sure Temur himself is perplexed by what's happening to Tesla. So, I mean, uh, it's a fabulous story to say. But ask anybody to give a half an hour presentation on Tesla, yeah. and I've seen a lot of people give fairly, fairly rudimentary and poor, poor presentations yeah. out there. So. Uh, yeah, it's okay. I just saw, I just saw the, the image of the graph just going up, uh, being at the bottom, just going up in 2020. So, uh, yeah, but imagine, Hemant, before you ask your uh, next question, just imagine yeah. that at a point of time on the Bloomberg terminal, there were charts which were comparing the rise of the prices of Tesla <laughs> and the rise in the price of Bitcoin and how the yeah. two were so correlated. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's that's something. That is something. Mm-hmm. Okay, I also don't want much of it evening now. Uh, so seeing the markets plunge as they did yesterday, many people, including me to some extent, uh, were thinking that this is the right time to enter the market, to enter the stock market or, or to start investing. So what advice would you give to anyone who's a new investor just seeing this crash? Are there any red flags that they should be worried about or should be consciously aware? So, Himat, uh, you know, as boring as this may sound yeah. and as easy as this may sound, but if you are a new investor or if anybody who is listening is a new investor, that person is not necessarily going to be able to uh, time his investments uh, to the exact point, mm-hmm. right? It's just impossible even for experts to do it. So the new investor, it's impossible. So the new investor should come in into the markets with, uh, with money that she or he mm-hmm can keep invested, let's say for five years. Let's say, argument's sake, it should be for longer, but let's say five years. So if you're buying for five years, then you should actually welcome all the crashes that come because at every single time that the markets crash, you get to buy the same high quality stock that you want to buy at a lower price. Okay. However, I must say that if you are, I mean, I, I know a lot of people have gotten into uh, individual investing into stocks mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing at all if you can devote some bit of time and, and not buy the random tip that your neighbor uncle is giving yeah. you. 
Uh, but otherwise, there are as boring as it, as it sounds. Again, I'm repeating. There are some really high quality mutual funds out there. Not not just the large ones, the small ones, who are which have given XIRR, which is the uh, SIP equivalent of CAGR. I mean, CAGR is the compounded annual growth rate, which means the rate at which your investments grow every year. XIRR is the rate at which your SIP grows annually, year after year, mm-hmm. right? So because you are doing an SIP, you look at the XIRR number. Mm-hmm. So there are a bunch of very high quality mutual funds, which over the last five, six years have given an XIRR run rate of 20, 22%. Okay. Trust me, yeah. it's almost impossible to beat that. So if you do not have the time to be able to monitor the markets daily, and if you don't want to be satisfied with the Marutis and the HDFC banks of the world, which are large and boring, then you should maybe choose a mutual fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have the time, then sure. I mean, the multiple brokers out there will give you an account for free. The trading is free or the investment is free. And uh, sure, go out and park a little bit of your money out there. Uh, take a little bit of risk because if you're a new investor, you're presumably young yeah. in age. If you don't take the risk right now, then when will you? Exactly. You have, that's what my father keeps telling me. <laughs> <laughs> sound advice. Yeah. Always listen yeah, to your father. Is. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you. And also thank you. Uh, understanding the crash as well and what it means for individual investors. Because Celebrate crashes, Imad. That's the limited point I'm making. If you're a long-term investor, celebrate crashes because they give you a chance to buy low. Great. <laughs> Thank you for that great advice. And uh, if you want any more advice, you can always log on to the, to the Quint and Bloomberg Quint for all your financial needs and advice. Thank you so much, sir, for your time today. Thank you. Stay safe, everybody. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts. 